and we'll have more opportunity to uh, fellowship, to get to know each other once the service is over. But uh, while you're being seated, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to the, um, the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. Last book of the Bible, pretty easy to find. We're in Revelation uh, chapter 21, second to the last chapter of the whole Bible. Really, I think the most powerful chapter in the whole of Scripture, Revelation chapter 21, and today we're going to be starting with verse 15. But before we do, I'd like to begin in a way that uh, does justice to these powerful verses, far more than I could do with my words, perhaps. Um, I'd like to begin, I've never done this before in almost 30 years of pastoring, so let me know what you think. Just so you can keep your bearings, here's, you're about to hear uh, where we're headed today um, through some material that might not at first seem practical. Uh, here's where the rubber meets the road. We're talking about where we're headed, and we're going to look at what it means in this life. It's this, and we'll come back to this at the end. All the world is a stage where we shine the light for everyone to see. It's a point of grace, the lead track from their album that is called How You Live. Why don't you listen?
Yay, amen. I like that. We're headed for heaven today, but then we're going to come back to earth, to all the world. Did you know that that's the heart of what we're going to be doing in eternity? We're going to be shining the light for everyone to see. Together we will be a, a kaleidoscope of light that will bring about, we're going to see, the civilization of the new creation. I like that. Woo! Amen. And what we do in time, in all the world, prepares us for eternity. We've been looking at heaven this summer, and we've come to the new creation, where John says in verse 1 of our chapter for today, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We've seen that the, the crown jewel of the new creation, the centerpiece, the capital of the new creation, uh, will be new Jerusalem. It's the place Christ said he's preparing for us, our home in heaven. We've seen how it's going to be first historically rooted. That is, this celestial city in eternity will be the result of what certain people did down below here in history, thousands of years before, you and me included. Because if you're a follower of Christ, what you do down here goes on forever. Second, the city not only will be historically rooted, but physically real, as we saw last week. Not just a mystical state of being with weightless angels and all the rest. No, the city will be solid, titanic, transcendent, with vast dimensions, as we've seen, and only the best specifications. But today we're going to see that not only will she be historically rooted and physically real, finally she's going to be universally resplendent. Together in the city, we will be universally resplendent over all the world and get this through all creation. And we practice for it now as we shine as light for everyone to see in all the world. It's in Revelation 21 starting in verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor or anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and the night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. <laughs> How can you possibly do justice to these verses? 
That's why we're beginning and ending this message with music. Because music can move the heart in a way that truly rises to such an occasion as this. So I'll do my best with words alone, and then we'll consummate it all with a powerful piece, a choral work, a melody that begins to do justice to what we'll be talking about. You know, large cities are the centers of great civilizations. And so it will be with New Jerusalem, as we're going to see. But this city is going to be different from any other in all the world, in all of human history, because cities are also centers of great corruption. So much so that the Scripture warns us about them uh, in no uncertain terms. And in doing this, it prepares us for the holy city, New Jerusalem. The whole of Scripture prepares us for this chapter in these verses. Briefly, let's look at how. Um, and bear with me a bit. This will prepare your heart to be like totally awestruck in just a few minutes. According to Genesis 4.17, the world's first city was built by a murderer by Cain. Remember Cain, the one who killed his brother Abel? Cain's line became the city dwellers. Those of the righteous line, the line of Seth, were nomads and farmers. The first city after the flood was none other than Babel. Remember Babel? They built it lest we be scattered abroad, it says in Genesis 11, over the face of the whole earth. This was in direct defiance of God's clear command uh, who told them in Genesis 9-1 to fill the earth and multiply through it. God's goal was to, to diffuse the power of wickedness because he knew the kind of, the kind of uh, critical mass of wickedness that would develop if men and women gathered all together at the same place and at the same time. And so he confused their language and he scattered them abroad, it says, over the face of the earth. Why? Well, because if he hadn't done, he hadn't done this, and I'm quoting God here, nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible. That is, the e no evil which they plan will be beyond them now that they're, if they were united in one city with one language. Stay with me. Remember where Abraham and his nephew Lot ended up living? Abraham who was righteous, and Lot, who was like totally compromised. Where did Lot choose to live? I quote, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, a pastoral place, a rather primitive place, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as what? Yeah, Sodom. There's a sermon in each one of these. The city of Babylon took the cake. And to give you a feel for what it was like, Let's bring it to the modern day. None other than Alistair Cook put it this way back in the 40s. Uh, remember Alistair Cook of Masterpiece Theater? He said this back in the 40s, To more Europeans than I think would admit, there is always at the back of the mind this image of New York as Babylon. Where anything goes, where everything has its price, where you rode the daring waves of pleasure to the music of Duke Ellington. That's pretty tame today, isn't it? <laughs> Shows where are we growing. And at your side was always a beautiful and dangerous girl. If they could only see Babylon today, if he could only see it today. Just look at what New York has produced. The investment banks alone have brought the world to its knees financially. Listen to World Magazine. This is all in contrast to where we're going. By the way, just out of curiosity, how many of you read World, World Magazine? A number of you. It's a uh, powerful uh, news uh, magazine that is from a Christian perspective. Here's their 9-11 issue just after the Twin Towers came down. 
High on our Western shelf of false deities have been the gods of capitalism, materialism, globalism, and hedonism. And it's hard to think of more apt symbols of such isms than the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, anchored in the financial capital of the world and capped as they were with two transmitting towers for the major media and entertainment networks. They concluded Babel needed just one such tower. New York built two. Someone said the only advantage of New York is that all of its inhabitants ascend directly to heaven right after their deaths, having served their full term in hell right on Manhattan Island. <laughs> There's some truth to that. And it's not just New York. We have got babbles all over the world now. And what God said back then about the city of Babel is true now more than ever. No evil which they purpose to do will be beyond their reach. And the Bible calls that the last days when out of this global, you know, the cesspool, the lawless one will arise, the Antichrist, when the great city Babylon is going to be reincarnated to have a global influence with all the other cities of the world. And like Alistair Cook said, New York and the nation it stands for looks awfully like Babylon. At least we're a type of Babylon. Just read Revelation 17 and 18 and you'll see. Now, some of you are probably thinking, where are you going with this, preacher? This better be good. Well, it's really good. You see, there's a whole other side to the city, one that I and I'm sure many of you absolutely love. So before you pick up stakes and, you know, move to Green Acres or to Summit County, let's look at this, too. I'll never forget my last trip uh, to Chicago, which has got to be one of my favorite uh, cities. Um, except for the weather. No offense, but talk about evil. It sure feels that way. But in spite of it all, I, how many of you are from Chicago or have lived there or whatever? All right, we'll pray for you. God bless you. But also, I envy you. Uh, I, went back, I did graduate school there 30 years ago, but I went back a couple years ago and, you know, took in the museum of uh, the Field Museum, the Museum of Science and Technology, the Art Institute, one of my favorite, the Shedd Aquarium, the Chicago Symphony, the Navy Pier, where at the time the Chinese National Dance Ensemble was playing, Michigan Avenue, G Gino's Pizza. Anyone ever eat Gino's Pizza? All right to die for, isn't it? It's exhilarating in that city. It's like someone said, the life of the city never lets you go, nor do you ever want it to. You're swept up in something. I get a periodical called Lantham's Quarterly. It's a magazine that's published by the American Agora Foundation. It's a nonprofit group that's dedicated to fostering interest in history when interest is, has never been at a lower level. A very important subject to study. And, and in part, they do it through this incredible quarterly. It's packed with artwork, with classic writings, poetry. And the, their fall 2010 edition, just about a year ago, interestingly, was titled, very simply, The City. And um, uh, it's about the city down through history. And they, too, talk about the dark side. Now, we're almost there, so stay with me. Louis Lampham himself said this in the preamble to this edition. It is in the nature of great cities to amass brutal concentrations of poverty and crime, hypocrisy, wealth, and industrialized dehumanization. But on the other hand, he said, great cities stand as the embodiment of great civilizations. 
And then he quotes Matthew Hale Smith, who said this in 1868, Great cities must ever be centers of light and darkness, the home of the best and the worst of our race, holding within themselves the highest talent for good and evil. And listen to this. The seeds of civilization are in every culture, but it is city life that brings them to fruition. You see, there's a bright side to city life. And did you know, and here we are, that there is a treasure at the end of the rainbow that's cast by the bright side of city life here on earth, through which God woos us to heaven. And that treasure is the age-old dream of the Judeo-Christian tradition, the age-old desire for new Jerusalem where the seeds of civilization will be in you and me, and city life will bring them to fruition. Cities set the trends, as we all know, and influence the world both for good and for evil. And if that's true, can you imagine the impact of the city we've been talking about for these last three weeks, of the one that's called the holy city, quenched by no evil, it will have a cosmic impact. I mean, remember last week, we're talking about a city whose footprint will be larger than the continental USA that will have 60 times more living space than uh, currently exists on planet Earth. Uh, it'll have a volume of 3.37 uh, billion cubic miles. It's a city that's totally righteous without a shade of darkness, for it says, as we read, nothing unclean will ever enter it. There will be a synergy of saints in glory, each of whom the Bible says will shine like the sun in our glorified bodies in the kingdom of the Father. Can you imagine the influence of such a city? Let me tell you about it. There will be so many things to do and places to go and peoples to meet. It will be exhilarating. The life of that city will never let us go, nor will we ever want it to. And that's not the half of it. Speaking of history, here's a Cliff Notes version, uh, really, I guess, of the history of eternity. A history that's going to be centered in literally the nuclear glory of a city. A few weeks ago, we talked about the millennium, the thousand-year rule of Christ on this earth that will come at the end of history as we know it. Uh, the church age will lead up to it. And at the end of the church age, the body of Christ will be complete. The bride of Christ, which will consist of followers of Christ from every generation. And the door will be closed. No one else can enter the bride of Christ. Many will come to Christ, though, during the millennium. And then heaven and earth will pass away. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And those who came to Christ during the millennium will populate the new earth. And listen to this, the bride of Christ, all who followed Christ before the millennium, including you and me, will populate New Jerusalem. And it says that she'll come down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, which means this, the New Jerusalem is going to be the son of the new earth. But even better, it means that we will be together with Christ in the city. And that's why it's going to be the Son. Because together with Christ, there's going to be a consummation of our relationship with Him. And the consummation will be literally a conflagration high above the new earth. 
The union of Christ and the church up there will be a matrimonial glory. Orders of magnitude greater than the glory we see now of the Son. An eloquent glory that speaks of our relationship with Christ. And it will be the light of the world, for it says the nations will walk by its light, as we read. And the city will have no need of light of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, because together with Christ we will be the light. But New Jerusalem also comes down out of heaven, it says, to rest on the new earth. And as it does, this conflagration will die down. And they'll see not a sun, but a city. A city set on a hill, on a great and high mountain, And John says. And he tells us the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it to honor the bride and the groom. And rather than just ruling the earth as we will in the millennium, the kings will rule the new earth in our behalf. Those who came to Christ during the millennium. And what will we do? Well, through the millennium, we'll spend a thousand years learning to rule at all levels of society, to influence the world through that golden age in your rule of Christ, that renaissance, that flowering of civilization that we call the millennial kingdom at the end of history as we know it. And having done that ourselves, our role in the eternal, the eternal kingdom will be to disciple the nations of the new earth to do the same thing for the civilization of the new creation. Influence that a city of this greatness will wield. One that's totally righteous, without a shade of darkness, the holy city. Hers will not be just a local glory as the sun of the new earth, just as if that weren't enough. No, hers will be a universal resplendence, a resplendence of influence that will brighten the creation. I wish there were time to get into all the Scripture teaches about this. Now, how do we know this? Well, uh, let me just give you one example of what the Scripture says about it. In a lot of ways, it's all in the jewels. <laughs> Remember the jeweled foundations last week of the city walls? Why do you think John would spend so long, so laboriously, telling us about each of the twelve foundations of the wall? Remember, the foundation stones were made of every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. And you're thinking, yawn, yawn, yawn. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysophras. The eleventh, jacinth. The twelfth, amethyst. What's going on here? Listen to this. The Egyptian astrologers of John's day assigned this identical set of 12 gems in reverse order to signify the 12 sectors of the heavens, the whole universe, over which they believed astrology ruled. And the Scripture here in Revelation precisely reverses this order in the face of the astrological system, saying you're exactly, you're exactly wrong. It precisely reverses the order to show that quite the contrary, New Jerusalem will be the capital of a new creation over which she will rule. Over which we will rule in his behalf. 
And through the nations of the new earth will spread his glory, not just in one golden age as through the millennium, but through golden ages without end by the civilization of the new creation through the people that will disciple. We'll promote a renaissance of the arts and sciences, of, of governance and diplomacy, of discovery and domesticity and homes. We'll disciple the developers of his glory on a new earth to deploy them across the starlit reaches of the empire. We'll send out this interstellar concourse of glorified people from the new earth, an interstellar concourse of explorers, uh, adventurers, homesteaders, of ambassadors, nation builders, lords of worlds, who will advance a civilization that will flower and flourish forever. All through New Jerusalem. Truly, she'll, not be, she'll be not only historically rooted and physically real, but universally resplendent with the glory of God. Application? Shine the light. Shine the light in all the world with your children, with your grandchildren, with your husband, your wife, your co-workers, your boss, friends, and family. Shine the light of Christ's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Shine the light through what you do with your hands. Do it with all your might for Him in all your spheres of influence, from your character to career. Shine the light in all the world. Get ready now for what you'll be doing in eternity. Because listen, you see, the brighter you shine on earth, the brighter you're going to shine in heaven. The greater your influence for Him in time, the greater your influence for Him in eternity. And it's to that eternal end that all the world is a story. All the world is a stage. All the world is a canvas. All the world is a page. All the world is a moment. All the world is a chance to be your voice, to be your touch, to give an answer, to show your love, to hold out hope, to offer peace, to shine your light for everyone to see in all the world. All the world is a stage where we prepare for that day to enjoy the treasure at the end of the rainbow of all that's good in this life, the consummation of what's best in every civilization with none of the worst, a kaleidoscope of light that will bring about the civilization of the new creation through New Jerusalem, through a city that will be solid, titanic, transcendent, the centerpiece, the capital, the crown jewel of the new creation, the holy city. See what I mean? How can we possibly do even an ounce of justice? We're just scratching the surface. Well, like I said, that's why we're beginning and ending this message with music, because music can move the heart and the soul in a way that can rise us to the occasion, to such an occasion as this. I've done my best with words alone. Let's now consummate it with a powerful a choral piece. It'll be a stretch for some of you because it's kind of old-fashioned and operatic. But uh, give it a chance. We had something modern at the beginning, now something classic at the end. 
Give it a chance. I think you'll be moved by the end. It's called The Holy City. And it's sung by a 300-member group called, called the London Philharmonic. And it's accompanied by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. There are three verses, three scenes, with a chorus in between, where a woman tells about a dream she had. In scene one, she sees Christ's triumphal entry into the city when all the children were singing. In scene two, verse two, she sees the crucifixion near the same city. It's all historically rooted. And in scene three, she sees New Jerusalem as she'll be through eternity. You might want to think of this as the national anthem of New Jerusalem. So, to proclaim our allegiance, why don't we all stand in honor of what we've been talking about?
looking at the holy city, all you can say is, Yay, God. This time I want you to say it like you mean it, okay? One, two, three. Yay, God. Whatever is happening in your life, everything in your life is working to that end. And so you can go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share this gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And amen. Thanks for coming.